Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I've got with me my friend Chris Vines. Hey, Dan. Good to be back with you, my friend. I know. It feels like it's been a while in it. I guess it has. You've been to SOAR um, just recently, our big conference for students that was in the Dallas area. How did that go? Give us a brief update. Oh, man. Uh, it was it was one of the best um, that we've had in uh, in a while, I think. Uh, and I don't mean that we've had bad ones. I just mean that it was just so good to be get be together. Uh, I think last year coming out of COVID, you know, it one that was a good one just to be back in the same room. And this year, even more so, we had, I believe, just a hair under fourteen hundred people. Oh, know, there that's fantastic! Uh, so uh, just a just a fun time together. Uh, the Lord Lord did some cool things in the lives of students and many ministries, and uh, the village you know, was back and in full force. And I'm telling you, man, we had a DJ in there and there were some kids that thought they they could dance. They can't. They just can't. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. So but it was. We had a fun time, man. It was good. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love the SOAR conference. Um, been going off and on since 93. I mean, the conference has been around since 91, but I hate that I had to miss this year. Something came up, and I just look forward to connecting with our student ministry workers at other times throughout the year, including our student ministry workers retreat that we'll be having at Central Baptist College in September. And so be watching for information about that. But I do want to mention our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. They're challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And it's a place where your students can go and learn about whatever vocation they're interested in, but also with a Christian and a Christ focus. And so they love your students. They want to meet them, connect with them. So if your student is anywhere um, close to making a decision about college, have them check out cbc.edu. Central Baptist College is where I'm been, Chris has been, my daughter has been. It's just a fantastic place. And so we would encourage you to reach out to them at cbc.edu. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a subject that I think is is very timely, very important. Recently, Roe versus Wade was overturned, and that's made us think about what we need to be doing as the church and as Christians, and really in student ministry as well. And so we've invited Summer Colbert to be with us today to share with some of these things. Uh, Summer Colbert is a writer, speaker, and host of the Love Where You Are podcast. She is the Director of Adoption and Foster Care Ministry at Cross Church and connected champion with Arkansas Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries, where she creates support, awareness, and advocacy for families seeking to serve in the areas of adoption and foster care. Summer is also a part of the Hope and Grief writing team, where she encourages families walking through adoption grief. She creates weekly podcast episodes and resources to equip and empower Christian families to identify their influence for the gospel in every season 
live life on mission, and share Jesus right where they are. Summer is passionate about equipping spiritually healthy families and seeing a movement of God's people step into confidence in their ability to change the world around them through the way they love. She resides in Arkansas with her husband, three kids, and three dogs. She's obsessed with British docudramas and cooking shows and can always be found with a cup of hot tea in her hand, just like my wife. Her life has been forever changed by the love of Jesus, marriage of her favorite person, parenting her crazy crew, and walking multiple adoption journeys. Well, Summer, there's a lot um, that we could unpack in your bio, but you know, one of the most important things that we love for our listeners to hear is how you came to meet Jesus. So share that with us. Love to. I was so blessed to be raised in a Christian home with parents who understood that being a part of a local body of believers was key for raising kiddos. And so I've been in the church as long as I can remember. And I can still remember the exact place, place in the balcony of what used to be First Baptist Springdale, where I was sitting on a Sunday morning and I just felt prompted to go forward and say, Jesus is my Lord. And so I did that and was led through a prayer with our missions pastor, who I grew up with his son, which is really neat. He baptized me that evening. And so my journey with Jesus began with just childlike faith. And then it has just progressed over this number of 30 years now, it'll be 30 years in November, actually, since I made that profession of faith, a lot of growth, a lot of understanding the goodness of God, who He is, my need for a Savior, even, even as I've gotten older, um, and then certainly refined through marriage and parenting and then adoption processes and working in ministry. So I'm, I'm blessed and um, so grateful for that relationship with Him today. I love hearing that. I love hearing those that accept Christ at an early age. And it just highlights the need for us as student ministry workers to focus in on, on children and students because they're open to the truth of the gospel. So, mm-hmm. well, let me ask you this. What prompted your heart to work in the area of adoption and fostering? Yes, it came from our own experience. Uh, over the course of about 10 years, when we ourselves felt called to adopt. And so long story short, my husband and I have experienced nine different adoption processes over the course of about 10 years. And through those nine processes, we have only achieved one successful placement. And so we have been introduced firsthand to the messiness of adoption, Mm. brokenness of adoption, through the disappointments, the heartache, the grief, the Lord has used that to really mold and reshape our mindset of what adoption is and the reason for the need for adoption, which is the brokenness of family, right? The introduction of sin in our lives and um, the disruption of God's perfect plan for the family. And so that's not something that we understood on the front end of wanting to be adoptive parents. We just saw that hallmark idea of what adoption was, and we were looking into you know, that self-fulfillment of, oh, we want to adopt and it would be so nice. And then when we experienced one closed door after another, one heartbreak after another, we really started to understand more of what the mission of adoption represents. And so through that course of 10 years, the Lord has allowed us to learn much, experience much, and to be able to pour back into the lives of those who were like us 10 years ago. So I'm honored to serve in that role now. There is a question that that I didn't prompt you with beforehand. I know that adoption is a costly Mm -hmm. activity. Um, How much is the average adoption costing? I would say on average, you're looking on the low end at 25,000 and it can be upwards of 75 if you're going international. 
It is very costly. There are other options now, even with our, our organization, which we can talk about further in the conversation, where adoption is relatively cost for free. If you uh, achieve adoption through your local state, then it is very minimal to no cost. Um, our program with Arkansas Baptist Children Homes and Family Ministries is cost free, but we ask them to serve in the immediate need of foster care while they wait to become adoptive parent parents. But by and large, it is very costly. We have seen Um, fundraisers, there's different crowdfunding opportunities for families. Um, We ourselves experienced, we sold a house and used the proceeds to pay for our adoption. And there's different creative ways the Lord provides when it's the right time for your family, but it certainly is. It's a sacrifice in in many ways, including financially. You know, as somebody who was never really familiar with that world or exposed to that world, um, that was such a surprise when I heard some of those numbers, um, recently. Yes. So, well, uh, to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better and, and knowing that this is a podcast for the full-time, part-time and volunteer student ministry worker, I always like to ask this one, who have impacted your life during your teenage years? I was in church every time the doors were open. And so there were, you know, key volunteers and leaders throughout the years. So I was involved in everything from Sunday mornings to small groups to Wednesday night activities. I was in youth choir, part of a praise team. We did mission trips. And so there were so many leaders that were just faithful volunteers and and dedicated youth workers that can, I can say, influenced my story. And not even one in particular, I really see it as a collective. Um, There's not one that I can just look back and go, that was my person, that was my influence. And I'm sure that's true for some people. But for me, it was those faces that I saw day in and day out and year after year who were there faithfully serving in the ministries that I was a part of. And it was just, it was the culture. It was how I was raised. It was what we all did. It influenced who I spent my time with. And it influenced my worldview. Like you were talking about the importance of having kids in church at a young age. It really impacted my path in a way that I didn't even anticipate. Knowing for years that I wanted to serve, I wanted to help people. I had a ministry mindset, didn't quite know what God was going to do with that. And here I get to to humbly serve in this role as a result of the, the path that the Lord has led me on to this point. So, But I can certainly credit Uh, my time in the church and all of the leadership that impacted me in that. Again, I love hearing that, that it is, there was a statement that Hillary Clinton used, it takes a village, Um, but really it takes a church uh, to see believers Mm -hmm. grow. And that just highlights the importance of the, the entire body. And whether you're talking about somebody who's in college who says an encouraging word to a, a student uh, in that student ministry, or whether it is somebody who's a grandparent or a great grandparent who's just loving on them and saying, "Hey, I'm praying for you," uh, it's just a powerful thing. So you did mention um, your work in ministry, and so tell us a little bit about the work that you do at Cross Church. You know, I am so blessed, really, to break it down. I get to be the person for other families that my husband and I didn't have when we were starting our adoption journey. And so we have a unique unique partnership with Arkansas Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries, where I kind of serve in dual roles, where I champion the cause of foster care and respite care and adoption when parental rights are terminated, but I also get to minister to and shepherd the hearts arts of our people, specifically in Cross Church, who feel led to take next steps in this calling. And so 
it's been so refreshing. And that's something, again, I wish we had when we were starting out in our journey to have a face and have a person to sit down across from a table with a cup of coffee and just, I get to listen to their hearts and where the Lord is leading them. And then I get to be that resource for them that says, okay, because the Lord's leading you this way, here's some options for some next steps for you. And I get to walk them through their process, whether they feel led to foster care, we take them on next steps to get them trained and licensed and opened as a home to receive kiddos. And whether they have a heart for adoption, I can talk them through what that looks like and their options for that. And then I get to be that person that's present with them throughout their journey. It's not just, hey, here's where you go. Best of luck to you. I get to actually be involved in the lives of these families and see placements happen and serve these families with practical needs and provide ongoing training in trauma education and all of the different facets of adoption and foster care. And so I get to wear many hats and it's a lot of fun and no day is the same, but I get to work with God's people and I get to minister in this way and in a way again that I just would have loved to have had. And so all those times, you know, those closed doors that I mentioned to you, Dan, um, I would ask the Lord, why? Why are you prompting our hearts to something that you're just, we're not seeing it come to fruition? And my answer didn't come for a number of years. And finally, the Lord said, this is why, because this is what I have for you. You get to serve these families in this time because now you've lived in the trenches. You know what it feels like, and you get to walk in the trenches alongside these families as they take next steps and such a holy calling. So I'm honored to do that. For our listeners' sake, they need to understand Cross Church is a large, uh, uh, what we might consider a mega church with multiple campuses here in Northwest Arkansas. It has a, a pow- powerful impact here in the community. I've learned more about that as my son has been involved with their school of ministry. Many of our listeners, though, are a part of the small to, to mid-sized church working in in sometimes smaller communities. And so, Chris, let me ask, um, if somebody has that desire, adoption or fostering, what's that look like in your area? Yeah, you know, our church, we have several families who are either foster families or started that way and have now adopted kids of their own. And so we have a ministry uh, called The Call uh, in in Arkansas uh, that's and I, I'm not a, I don't know all the ins and outs of the call. I'm learning this as I go along. Uh, Summer, you probably have heard of them, I'm sure. But um, and so maybe you can give us some information on on that where I'm lacking. But that that's really our avenue um, in our area. The call is in our county and um, and has been a, a huge resource for us and for our people where we've seen, like I said, several people in our faith family and then also in other churches who have either have gone down that road of adoption or fostering or currently are taking those steps for that process. And so, um, Summer, I see you nodding your head. Uh, would you would you mind just kind of explaining to our listeners maybe just what you know about the call and, and, and any kind of connection that has to, to the work that you do? Absolutely. We are honored to call the call our friends with our organization being connected through Arkansas Baptist and then, of course, through Cross Church. We champion everything that they're doing. Our roles are very similar in that we're able to bring families in and they are able to have their own um, training 
sessions and they are able to, they partner with uh, Arkansas DHS, just like we do at Connected. Um, and then they have uh, a closet that our families can go to and they can get clothing for their kiddos when placements are achieved. Um, there's a, a great support system and community within the call that is very similar to ours with Connected as well. So we are grateful for the work that they do, and we're grateful to be able to link arms with them all throughout the state. And uh, their influence has been tremendous over these past number of years. And in relieving that need, and though the child-to-bed ratio in the state of Arkansas still requires more for our families to step up, um, they have done a tremendous job in being able to relieve that need and to just create an awareness. Because you're right, I think, I think Dan, you had referenced earlier in our conversation it's just, it's a different world when, when you're not in that world, when you're not aware of it, when you're not thinking about it. And I know we're going to talk about this later in the conversation, the importance of the church being aware of this need, but the call has done a tremendous job in being able to, to create that awareness and to build a, a community in the state of Arkansas. So we at Connected are excited to link arms with them and do the same. Our organization is able to take it a little bit of a step further in that uh, with the call, they train you, but then you are handed back over to DHS. And so you are working with caseworkers specific to, to DHS with Connected. What we have done through Cross Church is hire caseworkers specific to our local body of believers so that you never have to wonder who your caseworker is. Right now, currently, the Arkansas um, statistics are caseworkers turnover is about 110%. And so when you're dealing with the messiness of foster care and the cases coming in and out, and then you have caseworkers who are leaving and leaving stacks of paperwork on their desks for somebody else to pick up and that sort of a thing. You can understand the messiness that all of that would create. Um, we're able to alleviate some of that with Connected in that we have a stable caseworker who's just serving our families. And so our goal with Cross Church being the largest Southern Baptist church in the state was to pilot this program so that other churches could see the value and the stability of the model of having staff in-house and wanting to take that model to other churches in our state. And so for those of you who are listening, if you are interested as a ministry, as a church in talking to us, we can absolutely have that conversation with you of what it looks like to hire someone who knows your local body of believers, who is, is in your local body of believers, who can serve in that role and facilitate training, licensing, and opening for foster care and adoption in the state. So, But again, the need is great, and we are honored to link arms with any organization who is trying to meet that goal and chisel away at kids who desperately need safe loving families to go to. That's cool. I'm glad you said all that. I, uh, I I didn't know that. That's that's very helpful to me. So thank you, Summer. Absolutely. Well, Summer, we know that uh, recently Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was a victory for those a part of the pro-life movement. And so from your perspective and from your role, what impact does that have on the church? You know, for me, it's a clear call to action. And I'm sure you agree with that, understanding this has been something that's been prayed over for decades. And now that we have achieved that, that the Lord has allowed this timing, I, I see it as an Esther moment. The time is now for the church to step up to um, to create that awareness. I, I believe that there is a responsibility to the leadership of our churches to make sure that our families are aware of that need, like I was just talking about, that it is time for us to step into messy places. I look at how Jesus himself modeled for us in his life and his ministry. He didn't stay where it was safe. He stepped into messy and broken places. And that is what foster care and adoption represent because it is something that the enemy has intentionally stepped in to break 
to destroy, steal, and kill, as John 10, 10 tells us. And so um, I believe that it is time for the church to step up. And so understanding the resources that are now available here in our state of Arkansas, they're really, we don't have any excuses anymore because the support is there. The organizations are there. The legalities are there. Everything is in place for our churches to step up and to be active in this role. And what I like to tell my families in my ministry and, and what I communicate to my churches, and I'll say to your leaders that are listening as well, you know, we're not all called to be foster parents and we're not all called to be foster, uh, to be adopted parents, but we can all do something. There is some way that we can all contribute to this need. And so I try to create that, that, that culture within our church um, through this ministry that we have launched this year of, hey, this is something that is important to us. You know, we, we refer back to James 119 to care for the orphans and widows in their time of distress keep ourselves unstained from the world. And I'm loosely quoting that. Um, but I think what's important, and I I always had a disconnect, guys, with that verse. It was like, okay, we're talking about caring for the orphans and the widows, but then why are we talking about keeping ourselves unstained by the world? But I think they go hand in hand in this, that even as believers, if we are engrossed in the things of this world, we are not going to see the needs that are right in front of us, being the orphans and the widows. They can easily be overlooked if we're focused on other things and the things of this world. And so I think the Lord reminds us in that scripture of, hey, keep your mind on things above, keep your mind on these vulnerable areas. And while foster kids and and a lot of adoptive kids are not necessarily orphans in that their parents, their biological parents are still living, there's an orphan heart that is created when a family has been broken. And so we don't want to over- overlook any of these kiddos, whether they need temporary care, whether they need long-term care, or whether they need a forever family this attention needs to be paid and there are ways that we can do that. So Roe v. Wade reversal is definitely, I believe, going to pave the way for many adoptions taking place in the days and weeks and months to come. For these expectant mothers who aren't quite ready to parent, um, they are going to need safe places to go. They are going to need the church, the capital C church, the body of believers, Christians as we know it, to welcome them, to love on them, to support them, whether they choose to parent or whether they choose to place their child with a loving family. We need to love them well, and we need to be able to do that so that we can share the gospel with them and ultimately facilitate life change, because that's what it's all about, right, guys? Yeah, it is. It is. You know, when I was growing up, fostering and adopting was not really a part of the conversation. Um, You know, I was born in 72, so I was a child of the 70s and then a teenager in the 80s. It just, it wasn't something that we talked about. So the thought process with my family was that I would find someone and that I'd have kids. And so that was, that was pretty typical Um, and still very typical in the average church, I would imagine. Um, So what can we do as youth leaders to make fostering and adopting a part of the conversation now with our students? That's a great question. And I think it comes back to that idea of a culture shift. I know that's something that we have talked about within our ministry and, and culture shift takes time, right? It's not something where it's a one and done and you just have this conversation once and everybody's like, oh, okay, we're talking about foster care and adoption now, right? It's, it's living by example. It's, it's carrying it out for others to see. And so that takes time. But as leaders, I think it starts with making it a part of the conversation of being willing to take the time to, to pay attention to 
such an important topic. And so you can integrate that in so many ways. And like I mentioned before, you know, the family is under attack like never before. And these kids that are coming in and out of your ministries on a weekly basis are living in brokenness. And we are at a time in our society and our culture where, you know, these messages that tickle ears, it's just there's really no point. It's just kind of wasted vapor at this point. We need to be diving into messy conversations. We need to be meeting these kids in these tough issues that they are dealing with right now. I mean, they are they are seeing and hearing messages that are contrary to God's truth every day on the platforms that hold their attention. And you guys are seeing that in your youth ministries and even in your children's ministries. And so as leadership, I think it's so important to be bold and counter these messages. And why do I say that? Because when you talk about foster care and adoption, it's like, well, you know, you can mention it. And I think it is important for you to make it a safe part of the conversation. But with foster care and adoption, you're talking about deep issues. You're talking about unbelievable stress that these kids are living under. You're talking about feelings of rejection, struggles with who they are, with their identity, anxiety. We're seeing gender dysphoria now. We're seeing even shame for poor choices that they've already made. And, you know, many kids in foster care we see, they blame themselves for the abuse that they have endured. And it's just unbelievable. So they're carrying these weighty issues. While all of those things that I mentioned before are being dealt with by our kids who are in, you know, two parent homes or even single parent homes, but more of a stable home life, it's exponentially higher for these kids who are in foster care and adoption. And these kids are passing through your doors, but the families may not feel comfortable sharing with you what their story is, or they may not feel like um, the church is equipped to receive the, the types of issues. And so they may not feel safe to come to you with their needs. And so I would say for a part of the conversation, communicate clearly, take some time over time to remind your people, hey, if you are walking the journey of foster care and adoption and you would like additional support, our staff is here to support you, to answer your questions, to be available for you. For kids who are coming from places of trauma, have a plan in place. Train your workers, train your volunteers, train your leaders in in the understanding of trauma behavior. Have people poised and ready to receive these kids on a weekly basis when they pass through your doors and come through your ministries so that People understand that they can come with confidence into your body of believers, knowing that you understand the journey that they're on and knowing that you can meet their needs and even help shoulder some of those needs so that they can come in as parents who are serving in these callings, who are walking in the trenches every day. They can have a little bit of respite themselves to receive the word of God through the teaching of the word, through worship, through fellowship with other believers, knowing that their leadership can relieve and attend to some of the needs of these kids from hard places. Does that answer your your question well, Dan? It does, and, and a couple others that I had. Um, and that's what, what I love about that is it, it's a matter of support in our conversation. It's a matter of support in our, just our attitude as we go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, in our podcast, we often try to look at for the practical. And so can you share maybe some practical things that we could do as student ministry workers, leading our students, how we can show support for the students that are in that situation or the families walking through fostering and adoption? Yes, absolutely. I think it goes back to being proactive with the conversation, letting people know, because again, if it's not being talked about, it's 
oftentimes people aren't going to bring it up. And so our families will struggle silently. And so if you're being proactive with the conversation, making yourselves available, whatever that looks like for how your body of believers does it, whether you make announcements, whether you have someone go around to small groups and that sort of a thing, just sharing with them, hey, we are aware of this need. We want to serve our families. We want to love on you. We want to let you know that we see you. Um, That is a great first step because you know, specifically with foster care and adoption, when people don't know the right thing to say, they often don't say anything. And so it goes Mm, back to this silent struggle that we have. And so it's like champion this foster care and adoption, but y'all go do it over there on your own where we don't know how to touch that. So we're just not going to, that's just not helpful. And so I think it is so important for you just to make it a proactive part of the conversation. And you break that down with your leadership and however you feel led to do that. Um, Specifically when you're interacting with your kids, you know, obviously as you youth workers, it's important for you to get to know your kids, get to know their story. And so if they share with with you in trust um, that they are with this particular family because they're in the foster care system, take note of that. Contact your families, reach out as a leader and say, is there something that I can do to serve your family? Is there something our church can do for you? Um, I like to, for our ministry specifically, we compile a list of our families who are actively serving. And we want to be able to throughout the year, just, Hey, uh, our singles ministry is going to go around to all of our families and we're just going to deliver meals to our foster parents. Um, just different ways to bless them. I always like to say, if we can bless them in the practical needs, then they can focus on the hard work, which is the heart work, which is bonding with these kids, rebuilding trust mm, and nurturing healthy relationships, modeling healthy relationships. There's so much with families who are serving in foster care that we don't see. You have um, medical appointments, you have therapies, you have behavioral therapies, you have visitations with the birth families, you have court hearings, you have all of these things that are taking up your time and your day. And so if the church can come alongside and meet them in the practical needs and then show them that they are available to support in any way that they need, then that is going to make a huge impact as leadership for our families who are serving in these areas. And it's going to give confidence for those who are wrestling with the calling to see the support that is being received by other families to step up and go, you know, I think I can do this now because I'm seeing how my body of believers is supporting supporting these families. So as a leadership, I would encourage you to consider taking next steps and all of that. And then, um, you know, taking the time to educate yourself in trauma. There are so many amazing resources available that can help equip leadership to deal with kids from hard places, to understand trauma behavior, to understand the brain chemistry. There's so much we could go into, guys. Um, The TBRI podcast is a phenomenal resource for that. If you want to note that in today's show notes, I highly, highly encourage that we use. It's called Trust-Based Relational Intervention, and it's through Dr. Karen Purvis and um, Texas Christian University, and they have developed a tremendous program in assisting families to deal with kids with trauma. So those are just some of the practical ways. There's so many more, and it's what I get to do every day. So I could talk for days. (laughs) Two more questions. One, um, if someone's looking for a book or two or some resources along that line, what would you recommend? Absolutely. The first book I would tell you to go to is a book called All In by Jason Johnson, and it is exploring the call to care for vulnerable children and families. And it goes back to that heart of that mindset shift that I was sharing with you guys earlier in our conversation of understanding what it truly means to care for these families and what our role as Christians is. You know, we are not called to fix 
this problem. We're called to serve and love and point others to Christ. That is our role. And so if we understand that role on the front end, you're going to be well-equipped to step into this calling. Um, the other one that I love is called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And it goes back to that mindset shift of understanding um, that we are stewards of all resources, of our time, of our homes, of everything that God gives us. We are called to give back for the purpose of pointing people towards Christ. And so that understanding that that mentality is um, it's key for serving in, in this ministry and for serving vulnerable families in our state. Well, Summer, you also mentioned in our conversation before the podcast that you have a book coming out in the future. Is that correct? We are working on it. Yes, it is in process, uh, probably not until early 2024, I would imagine. But but um, I am certainly passionate about this topic, as you can tell, guys, and <laughs> it's going to be for the purpose of equipping adoptive parents with a confident missional mindset. And it's really going to take our families from start to finish through the calling all the way through um, all of the different facets and understanding your role. Like I just mentioned, understanding uh, trauma and how to live life as adoptive families and and walk this adoption journey because it's not a process, it's a journey and it's lifelong and it will change you forever. Chris, do you have a final question for Summer today? I'm not going to ask a question. I know that our time is up, but I I do want to just say, Summer, thank you for um, just for your passion and for your work, your ministry um, that that you are faithfully, you know, just doing step step by step, just obeying, uh, obeying Christ each day. Um, One thing that that I just have enjoyed hearing you say and uh, is, is this idea that we as a church, we as individual Christians even have to shift in our minds um, what the what the need is, you know, and how we view adoption, fostering, and of course, you mentioned uh, James, uh, the the scripture from James one twenty seven, I believe I got that reference right. But you know, for so long, adoption has been seen as just the option for parents right. who can't have kids, and and I understand that, and I, I'm I'm sympathetic toward that. But as as we've talked about today. The need is great for for us to begin shifting and seeing that we are called to build the kingdom of God. And one of the ways that we get to do that um, is by bringing the, the, the least of these, if you will, into our fold, right, into the kingdom of God that way. And we have a great, a great opportunity now as a church, as you said, to be able to um, pursue that that need. Um, with the power that Christ provides. And so, Summer, thank you again for the work that you're doing, and thanks so much for spending time with us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Summer, we're going to have a number of ways that uh, our listeners can find you and your ministries in our show notes, so listeners, be sure and check that out. Um, I just want to say, well, just echo what what Chris had said. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today and sharing in this. I I understand and know that as believers and as leaders of students, we are on that front line and we need to be talking about this, bringing the conversation forward about adoption and fostering, letting students know that's a, a way that they can be serving the kingdom and loving on the the widows and orphans. I mean, it's just a fantastic thing. And so uh, student leaders, keep working, keep serving, keep loving on those students because student ministry matters. 
Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.